Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. This week we have the story of two brothers who are both blind and, based on an interesting experience they had together, started a business of their own that seems to be thriving quite a bit. We will talk with Brian and Bradford Manning, two blind brothers, who started a company called Two Blind Brothers that makes some very, very comfortable clothing. And we'll talk with them about how their company got started and what is special about their clothing line. But first, for a tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Bradford Manning. You know, the one thing that I, I will say, because because a lot of your audience, as you said, you know, has a visual impairment. And, and one thing that, you know, when we talk to all of these families and when we get to connect with this community, one thing that we always try and emphasize is that, you know, your visual impairment might be a physical disability, but we find it so vitally important to not let it hold you back socially or emotionally or anything else, because if you're willing to work, you can really overcome almost anything that it throws at you. And we actually think in a lot of ways that it's helped us and given us a lot of gifts that we otherwise wouldn't be able to have. Well, you know, I sometimes consider my blindness an advantage too, because it does force you to think about doing things in a different way, being a little bit more creative. It teaches you how to problem solve and overcome difficulties, interact with people, ask advice. And we joke all the time that when you can't see very well and you can't recognize the person you're talking to, you always assume they're your best friend because they usually are. And if they're not, they quickly become it. So it's it's a good social tactic. Yes. Yeah. That really is an interesting point. I started using my cane a bit more since we moved to Golden, Colorado. And it's incredible the effect it has on people. They often engage you in conversations, quite friendly conversations. They're helpful because people like to help. And, and, you know, as he, Brad says... People are your friends sometimes, if you just let them be. And on a more practical level, they actually get out of the way when they see us coming down the sidewalk instead of assuming that Pete will get out of their way, because that doesn't always happen. My sighted friends sometimes describe it as the waters parting for Moses as I come down a crowded street and people just get out of the way. Let's start by meeting Bradford and Brian. We have two brothers with us today. Can you introduce yourselves? Sure. My name is Bradford Manning. I am the older brother slash wiser, more handsome brother. <laughs> this is Brian Manning. I'm disappointed Brad could only come up with two adjectives that he's better than me at. So it's, it's a good start to the day. How far apart are you in age? Brad's five years older than me. Now, considering that you're both blind, what makes you think that you're handsomer than he is, Brad? You know, just everybody telling me all the time, fawning over my good looks and uh, just just constantly. Ri I'm just kidding. You know, Brian and I are really close and he isn't that bad looking, even though I joke about it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you guys have both been blind since birth? Brad and I were diagnosed with a disease called Stargardt's disease, uh, which is a juvenile form of macular degeneration. And if anyone out there isn't super familiar with the medical field, Stargardt's basically deteriorates the cells at the center of your vision, creating a blind or blurry spot right in the middle. However, it does leave some peripheral vision around the outside, you know, assisting with mobility. Oh, well, that's quite helpful. I find that every little bit helps. Yeah, it's absolutely the case for Brian and I. You know, we, we obviously have trouble reading, recognizing people. You know, we are lucky to have, have mobility skills. Um, and, and that's the nature of uh, star guards for the most part. And what kind of assistive devices do you use? Do you use like screen readers or canes or anything like that? We use a lot of text-to-speech for reading. Um, we use a lot of magnification, usually through Apple products like MacBooks and iPhones. Um, and then we also use the help of our, of our friends and our girlfriends when we can't see something and they can help point us out. So I, the, those are the three big ones. I've come to realize that the best assistive technology is a nice person standing next to you. <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is two blind brothers, the clothing company, not so much the men. So anyway, we mainly want to talk to you guys today about the business that you run. Can you start by telling people the name of it? And then we can talk a little bit about how you got into that and how it got started. Sure. The business is called Two Blind Brothers. And really the mission of the company is number one, to make the softest shirts in the world. And number two, to help cure blindness. And we do that by donating 100% of all the profits from the project back to preclinical research to help cure blindness. And how long have you been involved in this business? The business has been running officially since May of 2016, but the idea sprung upon us probably seven or eight months prior. And some of your listeners or you guys may know as well, shopping when you're blind or visually impaired can be a, a pain in the butt for, uh, for lack of a better word, <laughs> because finding the price, the label, the size, the color, all of it's a huge issue. And Brad and I one day were shopping in a Bloomingdale's of all places, and we lost each other in the store, which tends to happen. And we ended up walking out and choosing the same exact shirt, because as you may know, the first thing we do is we kind of run our hands over everything like we're five years old. And then when we find something that we like or that it feels quality, we pull it off the rack. We, we do all the work to figure out what it is and if we like it. And so Brad and I bought this shirt at the same time. And we thought that maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's something to this sense of touch and that we might be able to start a fashion company based around this fabric. Oh, how funny. You know, I find myself doing that all the time. When Nancy and I go shopping, she'll find the general section of the store that we want to be in, and I'll just run my hand along things. And every once in a while, I'll feel something that's pretty cool, and I'll say, hey, look at this. What does this look like? You interested in this? Or maybe I'm interested in this? <laughs> so the tactile sense is a big one, certainly, for people who can't see. 
What were you guys doing before you got involved in this? I was working at a small investment firm, helping them with uh, business development. And Brian was doing sales for a data company, selling software to community banks. And, uh, you know, this project really started as a side part-time charitable project. And we've, we've just been very lucky with the momentum on it. That's uh, it's allowed us and given us the opportunity to dedicate the past two and a half years to it. So this is now your full-time jobs? We still have some residual work that we do outside of it. It helps keep the lights on. And, you know, we don't want to, we take a a minimum wage salary out of the project so we can stay on the company health insurance. But we really want to try to keep it as charitable as possible. So we do do some work outside of uh, the project as well. But it sounds like you both had very good backgrounds for getting involved in such a venture. Uh, In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. We knew nothing about e-commerce, nothing about social media advertising, and nothing about fashion. But we were lucky to have a lot of friends with experience in those things that helped us along the way. I think our dad summed it up nicely when we told him we were going to start this project. He said, you two can barely dress yourselves well. What are you doing making clothes for others? (laughs) (laughs) Well, but you know... You're in a special position where you've had all of these negative experiences, getting lost in a department store, probably having trouble with websites that are inaccessible. And so you know everything you can do wrong and everything to avoid. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, we we just wanted to focus on what we found interesting about the way that we shop, which is just the attention to sense of touch, you know, and, and, you know, we don't parade ourselves out as being futurist uh, fashion uh, icons. We, We just focus on what we care about and what we think a lot of people care about, which is that sense of touch and the fact that it feels awesome when you're wearing it. So it sounds like from what you described, you thought about this for some number of months before jumping in wisely. But I'm wondering how people actually get started with something like this. Very slowly is how Brad and I did it, making a lot of mistakes. Because we wanted to build this company so much around the sense of touch, we ordered fabrics from all over the world. And we went to a coffee shop and we'd meet once or twice a week, depending on our schedules, and just go through these fabric books saying, I like this, I don't like this, sorting them into piles and doing this over and over and over again till we struck upon something that we absolutely loved. And when we finally got that fabric, we high-fived, and then we both looked at each other and said, do you happen to know how to sew or how to make a shirt? Which was an amazing moment. But then we found this wonderful group up in New York City who could make us a few hundred shirts. And then we tried with those to force our friends and family to buy these clothes from us after we put up our our own little website. So what's special about the fabric? Oh, it is. It's like butter in your hand. It's almost like magic to touch. I can go into the detail if you would like me to. I'm kind of curious. Great. So the fabric is 66% uh, rayon from bamboo, which is an amazing construction piece because it's breathable, it's soft, it has really long tie points. If you think about running your finger over something, it feels very smooth until there's a little bump. 
But what bamboo has is it minimizes those little bumps almost to nothing. So it's smooth and soft. And then it's 27% uh, cotton, which gives it that structure, that strength, so that when you wear it that first day and you wear it that hundredth day, it'll stay together and still be that wonderful shirt. And then there's a little mixture of 6% spandex. And what that does is it gives it that big old hug that we love in clothes, that when you can pull it out, it'll stretch, it'll come back to form, and then it'll wrap around your body and feel like it's a, a cloud is giving you a little bit of a hug. <laughs> Boy, just the sound of this texture sounds like something you want to jump into and wrap yourself up in. Are these like T-shirts or what? Yeah, it, well, we have a mix of products. You know, the fabric Brian's describing is used in our Henleys, our hoodies, and our polos. Uh, we have a, a graphic tee line, which is uh, made with something slightly different. But it's all around casual wear. It's all casual clothing. It's the stuff you wear when you want to be comfortable. You gave an overview and said this is mostly casual wear, but can you elaborate a little bit? I understand you have men's, women's, and children's lines. Yeah, sure. So, you know, we're constantly building out uh, our, our products. We're actually right now working on releasing 10 new styles, but the collection right now is a mix of T-shirts, Henley three-button shirts, polos, hoodies, and a few accessories. Like we have a men's and women's backpack. Uh, we have a candle. We have some Braille jewelry. And that is both in men's and women's. And then a month ago, we just launched kids. So we have some T-shirts and Henley shirts for uh, kids. Something for everybody. You know, I imagined your business starting completely differently. I envisioned you guys looking at a bunch of shirts and pants that already existed from various manufacturers and saying, okay, we'll distribute these. I didn't envision that you would actually have someone design some clothes from scratch and, you know, make special shirts and pants and clothing just for you. Is that the way things go? That's because you're smarter than Brad and I. That would be the definition there. <laughs> we would probably do it a little differently if we could start over. We, we spent a lot of time getting smart on, on exactly that, that topic when we probably um, could have found a more full-service uh, approach early on. I'm actually amazed that you found some small enough concern who is willing to customize making pieces by the hundreds for you rather than by the tens of thousands. You know... Uh, there are people out there well, that will do anything at the right price. <laughs> and those uh, those first few shirts, those first 300 shirts we purchased were, that were made here in New York City were expensive. The benefit to us is that we could really track the production process. We got sort of an education in it. Now we have facilities that help us in uh, New Jersey. Uh, um, some of our products were made in Dallas, Texas, and some in Los Angeles. Did you pick from some pre-existing designs or did you have some input into the design of the apparel? We do have some pre-existing like silhouettes and styles um, in the graphic tee line. And then basically the design process is we find items that we love and then we buy them all up and then we think about what we would want to change about them. So you have your like you have your favorite shirt in your closet. And then if somebody were to say, well, if you wanted to you know, make it a little bit better, what would you do? And so we make those little alterations. We create our own pattern. It gets cut. We sample it. And once it's all approved, 
Um, you know, we go into the production process. And then one little design detail that we add to all of our shirts is we try to incorporate, you know, Brian and I learned Braille um, growing up in middle school and high school. And we've had a lot of fun incorporating Braille details into some of the shirts. So on our, you know, on all, all of our shirts, we have sort of a Braille tag on the sleeve as well as uh, on our graphic tees. We actually put the color of the shirt in Braille on the hem. Oh, how handy oh, that is. That's handy. You know, I once had a shirt with Braille on it. My older brother somewhat whimsically made this shirt for me with fabric paint. And right across the chest, it said, if you can read this, you'd better be Peter. (laughs) (laughs) I wore that shirt until the Braille fell off. Oh man! Well, well, let us know. We'll we'll send you a custom uh, new new version of it. <laughs> I'd love it. <laughs> I had fun reading it. <laughs> well, that's pretty handy though, having the braille labels built in. When we were both working, and you know, I had to dress a little bit more formally. Nancy used to sew on little metal braille tags for the color of my ties and shirts and pants, and so it was easy for me to pick out my clothing and make sure it matched in the morning. But it could have saved her a lot of work if she knew about these shirts. Yeah, you know, I wish we could say that, you know, the line is 100% completely accessible. Like, you know, because we have to get the Braille details on there for things like the size, the care instructions, the colors, you know, we're still kind of uh, working through some of those iterations. But, you know, we do find that having the color of of the shirt on the hem, is kind of a cool detail. And it's something we want to do more of in each piece we have. Yeah, that's helpful. I assume your website is fully accessible. You know, I, I hope so. We, we Luckily, we use a um, platform called Shopify, which is sort of the best of the best in standard e-commerce. So they've incorporated a lot of those aspects into them. And uh, we have a firm that, you know, is helping us make sure that we're trying to find fun ways to incorporate accessibility too. like, you know, we try to kind of let people experience what it's like to have a vision impairment on the website by clicking uh, this icon. We and we try to hide some Easter eggs and some of the uh, text to speech stuff. That's one of the things we're working on now. This might be a little off topic, but the website is built on a platform that incorporates a lot of best practices and standards around accessibility. This allows us to be able to run an e-commerce store without having to have a ton of developer expertise, which Brian and I have zero of. So that's been very helpful to us. And then we have a couple friends that work in compliance for accessibility, and we're constantly trying to find fun ways and interesting ways to incorporate more of those features. So you talked about starting out by having a few hundred shirts at rather a large expense each made in the beginning, and you've been in this venture now for about three years or so. Has the business grown to your expectations? It has grown far beyond anything we could have ever imagined or dreamt of from day one because it started as just a side project that we thought we'll try and sell these 300 shirts and it'll be fun and interesting and then we'll go on with our lives. But the real magic and the real wonderful aspect of this is we made a video telling our story, talking about being brothers with our visual impairment, talking about our mission to cure blindness and 
talking about this perfect shirt. And what ended up happening is we put that video out on Facebook and the greatest community in the world, the visually impaired community, stepped up and shared our video and watched our video and paraded this around. And we were blown away and humbled by the kindness and enthusiasm that we saw that our project very quickly got a lot of attention. And we started doing a few news outlets, a few conversations that way. And then on January 4th of 2017, we were invited onto the Ellen DeGeneres show, which took our project from being our infant uh, very much into the national spotlight. Wow, that's really exciting. So sometimes exposure like that can be a problem in terms of all of a sudden you're swamped and you're not used to those kind of production capabilities. Was that an issue for you at all? Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yes, to put it lightly. I mean, there's been so many moments through this project where we have been extremely underprepared, the Ellen DeGeneres show being one of them. I mean, we woke up the next day from that show with back orders for the next three to four months. (laughs) We we had a similar experience during the holidays. One of our big resolutions is to try to prepare for these moments because we've been so surprised at the upside and have tried to keep up. And, you know, we've really been touched by the good faith And the spirit of the community, you know, we've been shocked at how understanding and supportive people are in in helping us with the growth of the project. Well, that must be very rewarding from a personal standpoint. And also, it sounds like you guys have learned a lot. You weren't fully prepared, but you were reasonably prepared and willing to work hard, I guess. You know, on the rewarding part, one thing we didn't anticipate, probably naively, is the community piece. This was around helping research to cure blindness and a way for Brian and I to have some fun. And and because of the publicity and the fact it's a consumer brand, which we should have saw this coming. But, you know, the community has been the most rewarding aspect of the project. You know, for Brian and I, we had each other growing up when we failed the kindergarten eye chart. And then I was diagnosed at age seven. And when Brian had symptoms, they knew he was you know, what the situation was. Um, and we were lucky to have each other and we were lucky to have great parents and resources uh, to help us. But, you know, being in this situation now, we, we hear from a lot of families and people who are connected to, you know, this cause. And, you know, I'm sure you and other people out there know that people can have very, very different journeys through this particular challenge. And it's so fulfilling for us to be able to have a a conversation with somebody who is in the same situation that we were in 25 years ago. And it's tough to connect with other blind individuals these days in the same situation because there aren't that high of a density of them in one geographic area. And this is one thing that's neat for us about doing the show is we connect with people all over the world via Skype, and then we can share these stories with other blind individuals and kind of everybody benefits and learns from other people's experiences. And it's nice to know that there are other people in the same boat. So kudos to you guys. Sounds like a really great effort and a lot of fun. And one of the fun aspects of doing this show is that not infrequently we've had occasion to put people in touch with each other. We'll get an email from a listener asking a question. We'll say, well, 
geez, you know, we interviewed so-and-so on exactly that topic, and we'll send them the links to the show and the contact information that the interviewee has provided, and then they get in touch with each other. And that's very gratifying to be able to help people get to answers that they're looking for. The one question I often hear people who interview entrepreneurs ask is, how much of your success do you attribute to hard work versus luck or some combination? Uh, I think I think anybody who says it isn't luck, either luck doesn't play a big component, is a little bit egotistical. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's probably a pretty equal combination. You know, I, I think uh, there's a lot of people out there that, out of the desire to have a social impact and to do something that they care about, you know, th- this was never seen as hard work because this is something we wanted to do in our free time and that we were passionate about. And then it was um, the community and others that lifted up uh, the project. You know, I, I wish we could say that we educated ourselves on all the topics to make this successful, but a large part of it is the story resonating with people and lifting us up. You know, we work really, really hard right now on trying to grow it, but a lot of it is because of our passion and commitment to it. You know, it feels odd to almost say it's because of this grueling work because we enjoy it so much. That makes a big difference. If you enjoy doing what you're doing, often you'll succeed. Yeah. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about two blind brothers, including how to purchase some of their products, and how to contact Bradford and Brian. So if people want to find out more about two blind brothers and purchase some of your clothing, look over your catalog, where would you send them? Uh, They can go to twoblindbrothers.com. That's spelled out T-W-O-B-L-I-N-D brothers.com you know i also send them to two blind bros on facebook or instagram yeah i mean we try to do as much as we can for this community we love hearing from people that empathize with everything that we're trying to do and uh you know we're just super grateful that you guys thought to include us in in your program and if people do want to contact you would they do that by phone or email Yes. Yeah. If they send a note to hello, H-E-L-L-O, at twoblindbrothers.com, it comes right into our office. There's six of us working here, and we'll hear from them. And do you have a phone number people can call? We do. It's 917-722-6284. Okay. You guys are located in New York City, right? Yep. Right down in Soho. Oh, Oh, fun. And as usual, we'll have all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And I want to remind people in terms of making community connections, there are over 400 episodes in our archive, and you can search by topic or keyword to find shows on almost any topic that you'd like to know about and then make connections from there. So try it out. And if there's a topic we haven't covered, please send us a note at hosts at eyesonsuccess.net, and we'll try to create an episode about that topic. That's it for show number 1913. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking with 
Tony Giles, who refers to himself as Tony the Traveler. Now, Tony's been on the show twice before, but the most recent time was three years ago. And in the interim, he has traveled the globe. Overall, by his count, he has visited over 100 different countries, some of them multiple times. And he's totally blind, profoundly deaf, and usually travels by himself. And he always has fun stories to tell. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.